You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. So we're going to finish this up today. This is week number three in our series called Made for More. Say this after me. I am made for more. Say this. Say, God always has more. I will never exhaust the depths of the goodness of God. Amen. That's what or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2 says. It says throughout all the ages to come. He's going to reveal and show his goodness to us. And so I think every day while we're in heaven, of course, there won't be days in heaven. It'll just all seem like one period. But uh, I believe while we're, while we're there, we're going to see all the time different aspects of the goodness of God. You know, the scripture says that there, and, and you know, you just have to take some things in the Bible by faith because I can't explain this and you can't either. But there are creatures angelic creatures that are around the throne that somehow or another are able to turn their heads 360 degrees around. The Bible says that. And it says that every time they turn their heads and they look at the throne of God, they can't do anything but cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they turn their heads again and they say it again. And the reason being is because every time they turn their heads and they turn around, they see something about God that they've never seen before. And the only thing they can do as a response to that is cry holy. Well, the scripture says that when we all get to heaven, you know, there's a whole crowd that's already doing this now. But when we all get to heaven, the Bible says there are thousands and thousands upon ten thousand thousands <clears throat> excuse me, in other words, millions of millions of people. And, and the only thing that we're going to be able to do is when we see the throne of God and God in all of his fullness, that the only thing we'll be able to say is, worthy is the lamb. Like I said in my prayer, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And what a glorious day that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? You know, I'm, I'm so glad that this isn't as good as it's going to get for us. It's going to get more gooder and more gooder all the time. I know that's not right grammar and English, but you know the point. You get the point. Amen. All right, let's look at our foundation scripture in the series. And this is found in, <clears throat> pardon me, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. Uh, you only have verse 10 on your notes, but... In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, and it says this, For it is by free grace, everybody say free grace, God's unmerited favor that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone could possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. And here's verse 10. This is the focus. 
For we are God's own handiwork. The New Living Translation says we are God's masterpiece. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, and here's the point of this, living the good life. Everybody say the good life. He wants us to live the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I love the fact that that verse says that God, uh, that we may do those things which God predestined. He planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. You know what that means? Ephesians chapter 1 says that before the foundations of the world, he chose you and planned you, planned your life, planned, I mean, the, the good things that uh, he wanted you and wants you to walk out in your life. God pre-planned all of that before time began. You know, there's a scripture that says God ordained. And what that means is that God went out uh, and he's an eter eternal being. So again, you just kind of have to take this by faith because it's hard for us to wrap our brain around what I'm getting ready to say. But God, who is not limited in time, the Bible says he always has been and always will be, that he is not regulated by time. He's not affected by time. And so what he did is he went into your future, found out what he wanted you to be, then went back in time and waited for you to show up so you, like this scripture says, could walk out what he's pre-planned for you, what he planned for you ahead of time. Isn't that good? Okay, so that's how good God is. He, he, he's absolutely wonderful. And so again, the focus is that he planned for us to live the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever thought about, or, and maybe, you know, you have some heroes in, in the faith, in, in Christianity. You know, I know one of mine is, uh, of course, Dr. Billy Graham. Love Dr. Graham. Greatly admired that man and his ministry. I know he's a human and uh, he's just a man, but he was so mightily used of God. And, and there's, I mean, only heaven knows the number of people <clears throat> pardon me, that were born again and uh, as a result of his ministry. And so I've always had a great admiration and great respect for him. And uh, maybe there's others. You know, I had the privilege of going to Bible school and sitting at the feet uh, of Brother Kenneth Hagin, who an awesome man of God, who's since, of course, both these men have gone home to be with the Lord. But I think about sometimes all of the stories that I would hear going all the way back to the late 30s when he started in ministry in 1934, 37, around in there. And, uh, you know, was walking with the Lord. I had the privilege of being able to sit at his feet and learn and other men, you know, maybe you've never heard of him, but Dr. Lester Summerall, wonderful man of God, who happened to spend a couple of years in England with Smith Wigglesworth. And, you know, I was so blessed, even as a young man, you know, in Bible school, I was only 18, 19 years old, and uh, had the feet, or privilege of sitting at the feet of these men and women of God that have gone home to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, 
maybe you have spiritual heroes like that as well, but has it ever crossed your mind that you wish you had the level of access to the things of God and to heaven and to the Lord that somebody like Billy Graham had? Or, you know, in my case, that, you know, Brother Hagin had or, or some of these other great men and women of God. Have you ever thought about, you know, surely somebody like Mother Teresa who did so much to serve humanity, gave of her total life to help the people of India and uh, she loved God with all of her hearts. And, you know, has the thought ever crossed your mind, man, I wish I had a relationship with God somewhere that could even come close to one of these great heroes of faith. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that I want us to see today is that if you've been born again, if you have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have access to everything in heaven that those people did. Okay, I'm, I'm going to help you maybe think about that for just a minute. In other words, Billy Graham, as wonderful as a man of God as he is and was while he was here in the earth, he has nothing that you do not have. He had no access to a relationship with God that supersedes and is better than what you have. Nothing, okay? So I can tell that thrills you, but <clears throat> let me ask you this. What, if, what would your life be like your spiritual life especially, if you believe that you had the same influence with God that Billy Graham had? Would you do anything different? Would you live any differently? Would you believe any differently? Well, write this down, please, if you're taking notes. And that is this. God has already granted us, you, me, complete access to all the resources of heaven. Again, those people, as wonderful as they were and are, and, and as closely as they walked with God, they do not have access to anything that you do not have access to. And so if you're going to walk in what God has made you for, and he's made us for more in this life, this good life that, that he has prearranged for us to walk in, you're going to have to get that down in your heart, that, that those people, and I'm going to explain it a little bit further later on, but, but those people had nothing that you do not have. Okay? Let me read a, a couple of verses to you. Look, look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 from the Passion Translation, it says this, Dear friends, my name is Paul. This is, of course, the beginning of his letter. And I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all, say all, all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one, which is all of us. He's writing this letter. He was writing it to a specific church at Ephesus, but he's writing this letter to all believers. So let's see what he says. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every, say every. every. Say it again. Every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm 
has already, say already, already, has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because all, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. So what I want you to see from verse 3 is this, that every, say every again, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, and what that simply means in the Greek is the realm in which God lives, has already been lavished upon us. Wow. <clears throat> you know, that's one of those scriptures, again, one of those mic drop scriptures where we could look at that, read it, meditate on it, close in prayer and go home. And if we would just walk in the light of that, it would change our lives. If we only really believe that every resource in the heavenly realm, the realm in which God lives, has already been lavished upon us, poured out upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. So every resource of heaven has already been given to you and to me. Now somebody says, uh, you know, how do I, I walk in that? Well, we're going to look at that in just a minute. But, you know, what we have a tendency to do as believers, especially on this side of heaven, is put everything off to heaven. Like we, we you know, there's a lot of people that if I read that verse and said this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been prepared for us and we will get it one day the majority of the church would go, yes, amen, pastor, one day when it's worth it all, when I step over into the portals of glory, when I cross the Jordan, or some say the Jordan, I will get over there and I will be able to receive and enjoy everything that's been given to me. That's not what the verse says at all. But don't you, don't you hear a lot of that kind of thinking in the body of Christ? no. Everything that Jesus bought and paid for has already been prepared for you and given to you. Now, there are some things that we'll have to walk out, like the Bible tells us in the fullness of our redemption, part of that plan of redemption is for you to get a glorified body. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to be forever about 30, 31 years old. I'll have air one of my hairs back. You too, Gary. Amen. Uh, I think I'll be an ideal weight and I mean, everything will be perfect. Now that's, that's the fullness of redemption and we'll, we'll experience that one day, but technically he gives us a down payment on that now. You know what that down payment is? 1 Peter 2.24, who in himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness and by his stripes, say it with me, ye were healed. So he gives us a down payment for us to be able to experience healing now, but the fullness of our redemption will take place when we receive that glorified body and we will be able to can I, can I tell you a little bit about what that's like? Okay, well then I'll, I'll wait till later and at some point. No, you want me to tell you a little bit about what that's like? You want to know what that's like 
Then look at Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. Okay, wait a minute, hold on. Don't, don't let me blow a circuit, but I'm fixing to tell you. That's country, I'm fixing, fixing to tell you. All right, when Jesus was raised from the dead, think about this with me. The Bible says that all the disciples were gathered together and he passed through the door, being shut and appeared to them. He had a flesh body. You remember he told them, he said, hey, look, take your finger, put it in my palms, take your hand, thrust it in my side. He had a physical body, but he was still able to walk through a solid door. He was able to travel at the speed of thought. Remember, he appeared to the disciples at Emmaus on the Emmaus Road as they were walking down and he appeared to them and he talked with them and he sat down and was going to partake of a meal to them. And the Bible says he, he broke the bread and he revealed himself to those two disciples and then all of a sudden he disappeared and showed up somewhere else to minister. That's what it's going to be like for you. Um, well... Praise the Lord. I don't know if y'all are ready for more of that or not. Let me ask you this. You know, the Bible says that you and I are going to rule and reign throughout eternity with him. Now I want you to just use your noggin for a minute. Think about all the believers throughout the centuries since Jesus was resurrected and the church was born. All the people that have been born again, given their hearts to Christ. Probably billions, I don't know, at least millions, okay? Now, do you really think there's enough terra firma on the planet Earth for millions of people to rule and reign here in the Earth? No, no, okay, because here's what that would constitute. Okay, I get about 10 square feet, Kathy, gets about this 10 square feet, somebody else get. do you understand what I'm saying? No. You and I will rule and reign with him in all of the universe. Well, praise the Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> somebody said, that's a little far-fetched, Pastor. Well, read your Bible. It's in there. Praise God. All right. Let's get back to this. So every spiritual blessing, say that, say every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, that's the realm in which God lives, has been given to me by my heavenly Father. All right, so let's write, write this down, please. I want you to get this. There is only one level in heaven's domain and every child of God from the saintliest preacher or missionary to the freshly washed addict have the same access. Think about that. You know, somebody that rolls in here and gives their heart to Christ this moment, I'm talking about the most hardened person, you know, roughest person you could imagine, comes in here, gives their heart to Jesus, today has the same access as me who got born again 43 years, 46 years ago. Same access. Okay? In other words, 
they don't get to ride at the back of the train because they came in later. Hallelujah. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24 in the New Living. It says this, No, you, you and I have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is giving us a glimpse over there, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So he gives us a little glimpse of, of heaven, all you know, the untold scores of angels and what it's going to be like when we get over to the other side. However... He gives us another look, Paul does, in Hebrews at what our life looks like now. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. In the Message Bible, I really like the message, what it said. It says, now that we know what we have, Jesus. Say his name. Jesus. The, this great high priest, notice this with ready access to God. I'm going to read that whole sentence again. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God. So if Jesus has ready access to God, you do too. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. And I like this verse. I just love the message sometimes. It's in your face. He says, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Take it. It belongs to you. So in this life now, we need to know that Jesus is representing us so that while we are still here, even though he is there and the angels are there and everything is going on in heaven, we're still here and he is the link with us by the Holy Spirit to us living this life now so that while we are still here, we have access to all heaven has to offer right now. Hallelujah. Now, how do we access this? Well, we're going to talk for just a moment. And, and, and I want to, to, to just lay some very, very basic, simple groundwork for you. Because if you will get what we're talking about here and what we're getting ready to talk about, I'm telling you, it will help you in being able to walk out, to go back to our original verse, the good life that God has prearranged for you. So how do I access that good life? Well, how do I access that place in the heavenly realm where God lives? Well, write this down, please. We access this place by prayer. Prayer. Now, prayer is one of those things that is very mysterious to a lot of us. 
simply because we don't understand it. Okay, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it today and uh, help you grasp some things. Uh, you know, just to, and I didn't include this in your notes, but just to give you a little glimpse, basically what prayer is, is communication with your heavenly Father. And let me add this, two-way communication with your heavenly Father. It is not supposed to be a one-way dialogue or monologue, okay? It's supposed to be a two-way dialogue where you communicate with your heavenly Father. Now, that sounds so, to, to a large portion of, of the body of Christ, that sounds so unfamiliar because so much of our prayer life is one way. You know, where we spend a lot of our time talking to God, and that's okay, that's good. But there is an aspect to this where God wants to minister to you and speak to you. And, and we'll, so we'll explore a little bit about that. And let me get this point to you. So I want you to get this vision, okay? So, you know, and listen, it doesn't matter what posture you take in prayer. Okay, I know some people, you know, like to kneel. I know there's references to kneeling in prayer in the Bible and a lot of the old timers, you know, would kneel. And I, you know, if, if you've been part of a, a regular church, maybe that had an altar at the front and people would come down and kneel in prayer. So, uh, you know, kneeling is great, but you can pray and be just as effective in your prayer riding in the car. And I don't suggest you kneel in prayer while you're riding in the car and driving. Okay? But here's what I want you to see, and I want you to get this point. The minute you bow your knee before God, or let me, let me expand that. The moment you close your eyes and you say something like, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, okay? You are transported in spirit to another realm where you have an audience with an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Somebody says, but I don't feel like I go anywhere. Well, you need to listen to last week's message because you're letting your feeling dictate to you what's really going on. See, we don't understand some things uh, about the spiritual realm. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, I encourage you all the time to get into the Word and study what the Bible says about who you are in Christ. But you also need to study about who Christ is in you. And I'm going to say something, okay? Buckle your seatbelts. If, if God lives in you, which 1 John chapter 4 says that he does, whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Those times, you know, and I, I hope maybe you've experienced this. If you haven't, you will. But those times when we've been in intimate worship and prayer and, 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 and we have sensed the manifest presence of God, did you know God senses your manifest presence with him? Just saying. Hallelujah. So the minute you bow your knee before God or you close your eyes or whatever it is, you are transported in spirit to another realm where you have an audience with an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Matter of fact, when you mention and you say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, you need to understand 
Um, there is a pause that takes place because they want to hear what you have to say. Because, listen to me, when you bow your head in the name of Jesus, see, that's not just a cute little thing we put in our prayer to close our prayer out. And amen doesn't mean I'll talk to you later. <laughs> amen means so be it. So when you pray and you say, Father, and you say your prayer, and I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. What you just did is you just told heaven that what I just said, I'm saying in Jesus' name, and it carries the same validity in heaven as if Jesus said it himself. And amen means so be it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Again, I want to say, the moment you bow your knee before God, you're transported in spirit to another realm where you have an audience with an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Somebody says, how can that happen? Because I know there are other people praying at the same time that I pray. Well, let me just, and I've shared this testimony with you before, but it, but it bears repeating because it, it illustrates what I'm talking to you. Years ago, this was, would have been 1982, summer of 1982, I was in Tulsa and uh, was at uh, Brother Hagen's camp meeting that he used to have every year. Well, they still have it, uh, but they used to have it in the Tulsa uh, Convention Center. And it was similar, a, a building similar uh, to Bojangles Arena, okay, a, a coliseum type thing like that. And so I was there, the room was full, and you know, probably 10,000 people there. And I was sitting about halfway up in the, the seats, and uh, it was during praise and worship time, and the music was going on, and I just opened my eyes for just a moment. You know, Jesus did say, watch and pray. So I was just looking around, and uh, that was a joke. But anyway, you can go back and listen to the podcast and get that. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just looking around and, and right down here, I'm not talking about audibly, but right down here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, do you know how big I am? And that's one of those kind of questions that the Lord asks you and, and you're better off by just saying, I don't know, Lord, tell me, than you trying to figure it out, okay? So I was smart enough to say, no, Lord, tell me, how big are you? And he said, I am big enough that And, and he, it's like he had me scan the crowd. He said, I am big enough that I can hear every individual word of praise and worship and prayer that's being lifted up by every individual in this room. Although it's a collective body of people gathered together, I can hear every individual word at the same time. And then he said, and you know what? And I said, no, sir, what? He said, and I can speak something individually to every single person by my spirit in their spirit at the same time. That's how big 
your heavenly Father is. So don't let it bother you that there might be somebody else praying and you might have to wait in line or get put on hold. Okay, no. He is quite capable of hearing you no matter who all is praying at the same time. So when you pray, God doesn't see you kneeling here on earth. He sees you kneeling before his throne in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, why is it, you know, and again, let's go back and let's talk about those spiritual heroes for just a moment. Because again, I have seen and experienced some of the most awesome things that, you know, a young, ignorant man should be able to experience at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, you know, many of the prayer meetings that we would have with Brother Hagen, and there would be others that were there and, and the, the prophecies that were delivered and things that are still coming to pass today, you know, some 40 some odd years later. And uh, part of, you know, your, your thinking is, man, I can't wait or I sure want to be as spiritual as they are. Maybe you've thought something like that too and there's nothing wrong with that. But what is it that makes them more spiritual? Is it because they're more worthy? And so God deals with them in a different way than he deals with you? No, not at all. Write this down, please. Some are better at prayer, not because they're more worthy, but because they've learned their way around. Some people are more effective in prayer, not because... God favors them more than he does you or because they, again, are on some spiritual level than, differently, different than you, although they may be at a different maturity level. They're, they're not at a different spiritual level. It's just that they've learned how to operate in those things and they've learned their way around. You ever, uh, well, you know, many of you know, on my dad's side of the family, down in, they all lived down in the Gainesville, Florida area. And uh, I remember years and years ago when I first went down there, um, and this was before the days of GPS, you know, you, before the phones that we have now. I, I, you know, to get around into town, I'd have to get somebody to tell me, okay, you go here and you turn here and da-da-da and you da-da-da, okay? Well, after going down there dozens upon dozens of times... I don't need any of that anymore. You know why? Because I've learned my way around town. I know where stuff is. I know how to get to the, the, the Lowe's if I need to go get something from Lowe's or Home Depot. I know where the mall is. I know where the restaurants are. I know where this grocery store is. I know where Walmart is. I know where two Walmarts are. I know where stuff is because I have learned my way around town down there. Maybe you can identify with wherever a town that you're familiar with. And uh, that, it's the same thing in prayer. The more you drive around, or let me just say it this way, the more you move around in prayer, the more you will become familiar with prayer and the things of prayer, and you will learn your way around too. Now, it takes time, and it takes experience. Hallelujah. But, but you can learn that. Now, I didn't put this in your notes, but get this. Sometimes we confuse maturity in someone 
else when we're looking at their life with being more worthy. See, Billy Graham enjoyed the success in ministry that he did because he was more spiritually mature than a lot of people. He had grown in his relationship with Lord, but he wasn't more worthy. He wasn't more righteous. God did not love him more than he loves you. Now, he had a call on his life, and he fulfilled and obeyed that call. But the same thing is true with, with other spiritual heroes. The reason that people... And by the way, we all have a call. And your call is not any less important than Billy Graham, uh, Charles, or John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, any of those great men of God. Your calling is no less important to the body of Christ than their callings. Okay, so don't confuse maturity, spiritual maturity, with them being more worthy. And I think we do that. Sometimes, okay? I could never be like, by, like them. You know, they just, they're just, well, you know, I got saved in life later than they did. They, they got an earlier start. So what? So what? Okay? That doesn't make any difference. You start at the same place. You start at the same raw materials. We've already seen how God has already poured out every resource of heaven for you and into your life. It's ready for you and available to you. It's just, can I be really, really brutally plain? It's how bad do you want it? You know, I've learned in pastoring now for a long time, the, a lot of the reasons a lot of us don't experience a lot of the things that God has prepared for us is because we don't want it bad enough. I highly recommend, go on YouTube, and Joel Osteen's dad, John Osteen, great, another one of those great men of God, has a message on there. It's a video. You can watch it. How big is your want to? I encourage you, go out there and watch that. Because he preaches this message, and, and again, he's, he's basically saying what I'm saying to you, and that is this, that a lot of people walk in things that we don't walk in because we don't want to bad enough. How bad is your want to? Or how big is your want to? All right? Now, see, it's not people that experience those things is not because of, of their worthiness. We all have the same worthiness because that was purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, write this down, please. Every follower of Jesus Christ is given the gift of righteousness, which means worthiness, receiving a standing that you cannot improve on. Listen, if you gave your heart to Christ today, you have the same level and, and are just as worthy and righteous as the person who's been born again, let me just use myself, 46 years, okay? You are the same righteousness. You cannot improve. And, the, and you walking out the plan of God for your life, your obedience to that, the number of times that you pray, the times that you read your Bible, it does not improve your righteousness, Oh, that we would get that. 
Because the devil lies to us. Well, you know, you missed your Bible reading for three days in a row. You scumbag. I'm serious. Doesn't he beat you? Does he beat you up like he tries to with me? Okay. No. I, have this, I may, yes, I should not miss my Bible reading. Granted. But my Bible reading is not what makes me righteous. It is not what makes me worthy to a holy God. It's the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for me. That's what makes me righteous and that's what makes me worthy to a holy God. Now, does God want me to read my Bible every day? Yes. But I don't get knocked down a peg or two because I miss Bible reading for two or three days. Oh, that we would get that. See, here's the problem. Okay, let me give you this point. It's not on your notes, but it is difficult for humans to fully grasp this concept because most of our relationships with authority figures are performance-based. Think about it. How do you get in good graces with your boss on your job? You perform on your job. You do your job well, your boss typically likes you. You know, and you'll get that occasional boss that will like you even when you're messing up, and, but then they try and help you. But for the most part, you know, if you want to get promoted, if you want to, uh, you know, get a, a pay raise on your job and some type of reward, usually it comes about because we perform yes. right and good and well. And so what we have a tendency to do is we take that concept, which we have to walk in in some areas of our lives, at school. Think about it. Everything at school is based on performance. You get good grades because you perform well. You do what's required. You do the homework. You do the reports. You do everything that the teachers ask of you to do. And therefore, you're rewarded in that by getting a good grade. Well, what we do is because that is so ingrained in us, we bring that over into our spiritual lives and we think God operates the same way. So if I want a good grade with God, I've got to perform well. If I want God to promote me, and see, don't confuse faithfulness with performance. If I want God to promote me, then I have to perform well and never mess up. No, if you want God to promote you, all you've got to do is be faithful to what he asked you to do. Am I helping anybody today? See, we have learned how to maintain our right standing and approval with authority figures by obeying the rules. And even though we hear in church that Jesus forgives us of our sins, we really have a difficult time believing this because it does not happen in any other way in that way, in any other area of our lives. Amen? Amen? Write this down, please. God expects new and different behavior from us. Now, listen, you can't be a believer and live a sloppy, sin-filled life and God not deal with you. I mean, let's just be honest. That's part of it, okay? You need to grow up spiritually and mature, and God, so God expects new and different behavior from us after we receive Christ, but it was not and is not our behavior that gave you your place in him. 
This flies in the face of religion, big time. Okay, so what is it in our lives that pleases God? Well, simple, write this down. It's your faith that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please God. So you want to please God? Believe Him. Believe what He said. Act on it. Do what He said. Okay? Now, let me give you some points here. Again, these aren't in your notes, but they'll help you. All right? Here's the first one. Prayer is not a performance. You're not trying to earn God's favor by your prayer life. Okay? Listen, I don't call my mama up on the phone and talk to her or talk to her here or, you know, whenever I see her because I'm trying to get into her good graces. I talk to her because she's my mama. And I know <laughs> what just crossed my mind is Linda in the back told me one time, she said, when you say your mama, you sound like Forrest Gump. So that pops into my mind. <laughs> mama always said, <laughs> I love my mama. But <laughs> I talk to my mom, not because I'm trying to get in good graces with her, but I talk to my mama because I love my mama. And, and I love talking to her and her talking to me. So prayer is not a performance. You're not trying to improve your relationship with God by prayer. And prayer is not about talking God into anything. You're not trying to kiss up. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean by that? Okay. Trying to butter God up to, so he'll do something for you. Okay. He's smarter than that. He can tell when you're trying to con him, just like your parent, you know. <laughs> uh, I remember a little, as a little boy, I, I, I think it was my mom, I was trying to, I wanted something, either go somewhere, do something, or, you know, whatever. And so I thought I'd try that. I'd beat around the bush and just, you know, talk to, and finally she stopped me. She said, quit beating around the bush and ask me what you want to ask me. In other words, she could see through all of that. All right. Now, I want to ask you a question, point blank. Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Do you? Do you really? Okay. Because if you do, you'll respond and do some things differently. You know, again, if you belong to Jesus, which you do, then you have the same standing as any of those saints who've gone before and had such remarkable prayer lives. You do. You have the same standing. Okay? All right, let me give you three things quickly as we move on and we're beginning to wrap this up. This will help you in your prayer life. Okay? Three things. Number one, you need to know God chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. God chose you. Say that. Say, God chose me. Say it again. God chose me. He chose you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. 
in the new living. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So even before you were a gleam in your parents' eyes, God knew who you were. The book of Jeremiah says he formed you and, and he chose you. God does not have rejects. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. And so you need to know this. If you had been the only sinner on the earth, Christ would have still come, died on a cross, and paid for your sins if there was only one, and it was you. He would have done it anyway. Number two, God cleaned you. God cleaned you. God decided to make us holy in his eyes and without a single fault through what Jesus did for us. Oh, wow. Because see, we know us. We know our past. We know what we did yesterday. We know what we said yesterday. But here's what you got to understand, and I include myself with this. Here's what we have to understand, and that is this, is that in God's eyes, you are holy and without blemish and without fault. And when you sin, run to him, confess it, and it's gone. Never to be brought up again. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 in the Amplified, just read it in the New Living. Here's the Amplified. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why did he do that? Why did he choose you? So that you should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. Oh, see... We get excited about Christmas time, and we should. There's nothing wrong with that. But God got excited about Christmas time before the foundations of the world because he got excited because he had you in his heart when he knew when the time was right. As Galatians says, in the fullness of time, he, God sent his son into the world. He had already decided to do it and what the results would be before the foundation of the world. He's been excited about you for all of eternity. Hallelujah. See, we're so completely washed that God does not see our past sins. We are blameless and above reproach. You know what reproach means? An embarrassment to somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, look at this point. The same grace, that same grace has cleansed us from our ways of sin in the former life. That same grace that cleansed us from our former sins, from our sins, excuse me, let me start over. The same grace that cleansed us from our ways of sin in the former life is likewise available to cleanse us from the spots of sin we deal with now. Same grace, same blood. Same everything. Hallelujah. 
Number three, God adopted you into his family. He chose you, he cleaned you up, and then he adopted you. Ephesians chapter one, verses five and six in the Passion say this, it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love, oh, I don't know if you're ready for this. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said, Father, may they know that you have loved them as you have loved me. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. <laughs> and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Hallelujah. See, there is something... Now, I'm all, all for, don't misunderstand me, natural childbirth and, you know, natural children and so forth and so on. But there is something that's a little different when a child gets adopted. You know, it, it's, it's, I would almost say in some regards, it's a better different. You know why? Because when you adopt a child, it's a little different. You know, sometimes... Parents or, or uh, you know, a, a, a wife will get pregnant by accident. They're happy about it and they're thankful and don't misunderstand me. It's not that they love that child any less because the child was not expected. But let me tell you something. When you're adopted, you are pre-planned and specifically chosen by your adoptive parents. Your parents just had to deal with you because you showed up. <laughs> but when you're adopted, your parents chose you and wanted you. And, and I'm not saying that, again, I hope you hear my heart. But what I'm saying is your parents just had to deal with you when you showed up. But adopted kids are hand-picked. Hallelujah. Let me give you a couple of points here before we go. God, when he decided way before the foundation of the world, he did not choose to start a club. He chose to start a family. There's something about being a part of family. We have a little glimpse of that because of the natural example that we have here in the earth. But God... Is, is a family, forgive me for saying it this way, he's a family man. He's all about family. And so you and I are not on a team. We're not part of a fraternity or a sorority, as close as those relationships might be in some. I, I never was, but I, I see some from the outside, and they're pretty close. They're, they're not as close as God sees it in his family. See, there's no tighter bond than a family relationship. You know, think about it, okay? You'll fuss and fight with your siblings, but let somebody else outside mess with somebody in your family. Whole different story there. Why? 
because of that thing called family. See, we've been handpicked by God, clean from top to bottom, and brought into his family. So why, why am I saying all of this? When you know this, you can go to God in prayer with all kinds of confidence. <laughs> you know, there's something about, um, and maybe you can identify with this. When I was growing up, um, I don't know that, I guess we still call it this to this day, but you ever noticed how, at least in my house, when we were having guests, how things were a little different, okay? Everything had to be cleaned up. You know, I had to pick up my room, I, you know, and of course I had to pick up my room normally, but there was just something extra special about that. Why? Because company was coming. And we get a lot, of, particularly this time of year, company comes over. I don't know why we call it company, but we call it company. Company's coming. We, we're getting ready to have company. And so the company is treated differently than everybody who lives in the house. You ever notice that? Okay. Well, I got news for you. Look at this. Write this down, please. Quit acting like you're company. You're one of the kids and you belong in God's house. You know, there, uh, you ever been over to someone's home and, you know, you, you kind of maybe reconnected or you just got familiar with them and you, you act a little differently when you're new in their house. But 10, 15 years down the road after you've been over to their house many times, you don't act that same way anymore. Why? Because you know what they'll tell you? Hey, stop that. You ain't company anymore. You family. Okay? Quit acting like company when you approach God in prayer. You don't have to slide in the back door apologizing. I'm real sorry to bother you. You know, Lord, I know you might not have time for me today. No, you quit acting like com company. You're one of the kids and you belong in his house. Dare to start asking God for the things he's already promised you. And quit praying as though your request is going to bankrupt heaven. I'm going to say that one again because I didn't get many, I got a whoo on that, but I didn't get an amen or anything. Quit praying as though your request is going to bankrupt heaven. <laughs> okay? Then lastly, you will never enter the more that you were made for until prayer becomes your first resort and not your last resort. You know, a lot of times our prayer lives are, uh, well, let's pray. You mean we've exhausted everything else? It's come to that? We got to pray? No, your first thought ought to be, let's pray about this. First, your first thought ought to be, what does God's word say about that? And then when you find out what God's word says about it, now let's, let's deal with this and let's go to prayer about this because God's already said some things about that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's, let's learn how to, to respond to God the way that he wants us to. You're his child. You're part of his family. And approach your heavenly father that way.
You've got a God in heaven that loves you. He's not ashamed of you. He'll, he'll pick you up and embrace you. I, I double dog dare you this week. I know it's Christmas time, but I double dog dare you to go to Luke chapter 15 and read the story, what we call the story of the prodigal son. It's really not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son's father. We focus on the son because we identify with the son. But Jesus was teaching us about the father. And you need to look at some of the responses that the father gave. You know, I love the fact that when here this boy has been living in a pig pen, hogs, messing around with hogs, living in the hog pen. I don't know about your hog pens, but the hog pens I've been around are nasty. He'd been living in that, eating what the pigs ate. And he got straight up from there and went home. And the Bible says when his father saw him from afar off, you don't see somebody from afar off unless you're looking for them. And so he saw him from afar off and the father didn't even sit on the front porch and wait for the boy to get to the house. The Bible says the father went down and ran to the son and fell on him and embraced him and kissed him. He didn't say, now listen, go to the hose pipe around the back of the house and hose yourself off and clean up and then we'll talk. No, he didn't care. That's how much the Father loved him. And that's how much your Heavenly Father loves you. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.